Hello, and welcome to Behind the Buyouts, the deals podcast where we sit down with a leading private markets investor and drill down into their buyouts and venture capital deals. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. I'm Steve Jelsey, Senior Private Equity Reporter for The Deal and the host of this podcast. Today, we're joined by Priya Pradhan Karkar, Vice President of Business Development at Klein Hill Partners. Uh, she spearheads fundraising and investor relations for the firm. Priya, thanks for joining us. Hi, Steve. Thanks for having me. So Klein Hill Partners invests in the private equity secondary market with sellers of all types. Uh, you've successfully managed and supported the closing of Klein Hill Partners Fund 3 with $450 million in commitments. There's also an overage fund of $150 million that'll support investments in larger transactions. So this is an interesting topic because secondary investing has usually been done by larger institutional players, such as CalPERS trying to reduce their private equity portfolios. But now with this fund and others, we're seeing much much smaller transactions in the secondary market mergers and acquisitions arena. So Priya, how is Klein Hill Partners able to generate interest despite COVID, which has slowed down or curtailed a lot of the activity in the secondary private equity fund stakes market? Yeah, sure. So Klein Hill's focus is on what we call the small deal part of the market. And the way that we define that is we're doing transactions where we're buying assets with individual line items of $5 million or less. So capital account balances of $5 million or less per line item. And a lot of our deals in their totality are actually even smaller than that, kind of an average deal size around $3 million, with the ability to, to flex up. But there's a, actually a great amount of activity at the lower end. You're right, a lot of the secondary activity over the years and as the industry has grown has been on the much larger end. But we've actually observed that there's a pretty consistently high level of small deal volume that goes on in all parts of market cycles. And so it's really those inefficiencies at the lower end that our strategy is looking to capture. And I think there's been investor interest broadly in secondaries over many years and increasing specialization throughout the industry and a high level of interest we've seen and observed in um, specific in specialized strategies and particularly in the small deal strategy. So you're able to get transactions for smaller GPs, as you said, that have stakes in private equity funds. And that's kind of refreshing, I guess, for some of these GPs and some of these LPs in these smaller funds. But let me ask you about the investors in your fund. Are some of your investors in your fund also smaller LPs? So they're able to benefit from this kind of deal flow where they wouldn't be able to benefit it from it before? Because it was, as you said, it's been mostly big LPs that have dominated this market. Yeah, so our investors are actually of all types. We have some large institutions and some smaller institutions where an investment with Klein Hill Partners is sort of a core part of their private equity program. And just to back up, I think in terms of the fund interest that we're buying, we are actually transacting and buying interests in all kinds of funds throughout the market. So we are through our three funds so far in over 750 underlying funds. So that really represents all corners of the private equity market. We're buying small positions. So we're buying from sellers who need to offload smaller stakes and really trying to provide a high level of service to those types of sellers. But what we're buying is quite broadly representative of the market, of the private markets. So would a lot of these fund stakes be in older funds? So if they're in older funds, most of them would probably be buyout funds because I guess we've seen you know, a lot more specialization and a lot more niche categories, but only like in the last five or 10 years. So even though you're across the broad spectrum there, is it mostly buyouts that you're investing into or other asset types as well? 
Yeah, we're generalist buyers. So it's actually a pretty healthy mix. The majority of what we buy is buyouts, growth and venture. But you're right, a lot of them are very, very mature funds. So we might be buying into a venture fund, but we're buying actually revenue generating companies as the underlying assets. So is there any kind of a business type or fund type that seems to be really in favor right now? Middle market buyouts, lower middle market buyouts is always kind of an interesting place for investors to look, but I don't know, there's also infrastructure, there's also green energy funds. So is there any kind of particular fund type that seems to be really in favor right now? I don't know if there's anything particularly, I mean, for a secondary buyer, you're always looking through to the underlying assets. So we're spending a lot of time this year looking at, this year especially looking at the sectors in which those businesses operate. We'll always look across asset class, across portfolios. So we'll look at energy, we'll look at infrastructure, we'll look at um, kind of the totality of a portfolio, but then we're pricing assets based on our conviction and understanding of each underlying business. So the secondary market is practically shut down in some quarters this year, at least for for the LP stakes in funds. Deal volume has been down significantly because of COVID. Priya, what are you seeing on this front? Yeah, so looking back over this year, you could almost call it a quote-unquote COVID pause that happened. There was a lot of uncertainty about valuations. Buyers were on the sidelines. Sellers were worried about having to take too deep discounts. So there was a broad pause in activity in the market. It's interesting, though, because um, what we observed at the lower end of the market was actually quite consistent volume, and we were fairly active investing, particularly in Q2 of this year. We were sort of an active stance, but very careful about what we were buying as well. And now that we're approaching Q4, Q4 is always a busy quarter for secondary buyers. We are seeing an uptick in volume, but it's interesting that it's very tilted towards the GP-led side of transactions. And we're seeing very few large LP portfolios broadly out there in the market. And it makes sense because when there's uncertainty, there is a flight to quality and a flight to what you know. And so there's almost a higher level of competition around well-known names. And and we're all for quality too. So that's not surprising to us, but it's been an interesting dynamic to watch. But as I said, at the lower end of the market, it's just this pretty consistent level of deal flow. Many more sellers who are not as uh, price sensitive, who need to sell for other reasons and such. And so we've actually been able to get quite a bit of deal activity done through this year, despite the broader pause in the market. That's great. That's great. Yeah, you kind of made a reference there. Some LPs aren't selling because they're hurting for cash. They're just selling for other reasons. That might be different from the global financial crisis when a lot of big institutional players were like really short on cash. So I don't think that's the case as much this time. I guess the real art here is figuring out what the net asset value is of the underlying assets or the companies that you're buying into. Tell us about this art. This is a real art with secondary players in in predicting net asset values or, or kind of forecasting or computing what the net asset value of a fund is or an asset in a fund is. So uh, any, any bit of the secret sauce you can share on that for, with Klein Hill? I don't know if there's a secret sauce, but a lot of it is just about diligence and about understanding the businesses and having information, right? So we are in about 750 plus funds at Klein Hill. So we have many GP relationships relying on insights from those calls, understanding and really diving and digging into the company level understanding the businesses, talking throughout our networks and beyond that to customers and you know other stakeholders and such and coming up with the value. So yeah, it's an art. I unfortunately don't have a, a 
it's secret sauce to give away though. <laughs> <laughs> no, of course, of course. Otherwise I wouldn't call it that. But in terms of the secondary market, we've really seen a fair amount of activities. You mentioned this earlier was the GP led secondaries. Just to explain what that is. That's, that's when a private equity firm sells assets or uh, sells stakes in funds, but it often retains control of the assets. So it's just the GP is selling uh, stakes it has in funds. So uh, why is this type of transaction picked up so much steam in recent years? And what's Klein Hill's role in that? Yeah. So look, the secondary market broadly is a solutions business, right? And so as secondary buyers, we're providing solutions to LPs who are sellers, and we're increasingly providing solutions to GPs as well. And so this whole GP-led transaction, GP restructuring transaction, that has grown in popularity. I think just as awareness has grown that this is an option as their timelines to liquidity are long and we're in an environment right now where they will continue to be long. And so there's just broader awareness amongst the GP community too, that this is an option. For Kleinhill, the majority of what we do is actually on the traditional LP side as well as direct company secondaries. But we think the GP led part of the market is here to stay and here to grow and actively thinking about how to smartly participate in that. Okay, well, if you if you do, let us know, and we'll do a story on it. So, uh, what are but what are some of the dynamics you're seeing on the LP side? You mentioned a little bit about this earlier. A lot of LPs hit the brakes, uh, and then there's been a flight to quality with the LP uh, transactions. So, uh, any other dynamics that you're seeing on the LP side as we head into the fourth quarter? Is this going to be really active time? Or are we going to still see it kind of like maybe holding off until the election? Yeah, look, I mean, fourth quarter is always active, but I think those are the main dynamics on the LP side. And it'll take more medium term certainty in the market, I think, for that part of the market to really pick up with much more steam. But fourth quarter is always busy and there are always sellers who need to make adjustments before year end. And so I think there will be a natural uptick just from that dynamic itself. Okay, good. Well, I'm sure our listeners will be glad to hear that at the deal here. So it's already been about two years since you joined Kleinhill Partners. Could you talk about your career path and the role of women in private equity, the role of women in the secondary market, and how you've dealt with any glass ceiling issues over the years? Sure. So I have been full-time with Kleinhill for the last two years in this business development function. Prior to that, I actually was involved with Kleinhill as an advisor since the inception of the firm, since 2015. My background before that, I spent eight years at Cambridge Associates in the manager research side, and I was responsible for coverage of secondary funds and fund of funds. So I've actually been covering secondaries since 2007. I landed there completely by chance. I didn't know what secondaries were <laughs> prior to it. And, you know, career pop is interesting, and I think it's kind of, there's a lot of discussions these days about the role of women in private equity and growing career opportunities for women. And I think secondaries is actually a really interesting spot for women and men who are looking to have a long-term career in the private markets. And particularly if they're interested in deal-making, if they're interested in creative solutions, if they're interested in kind of a bird's eye view on LP and GP dynamics, it's actually a really opportune time because this market has grown a lot in the last 10 years and is projected to continue. So it's actually a great time to get in the door to learn these skills and grow a career in a pretty exciting sector. Okay, great. Good to hear the encouragement there for folks that are thinking about that. So in terms of secondary funds and funds of funds, you mentioned you've been spending a lot of time in that 
arena for several years, over a decade, and you worked on diligence and secondary funds and funds of funds at, at Cambridge Associates. How has the asset class evolved? I mean, at one time, I guess it was sort of seen as almost like this, you know, the second, uh, the used car market of the private equity world, but now it seems to have a much higher profile and people are more open about talking about it. So what are your thoughts on the evolution of secondary transactions? Yeah, it's interesting. It was. And for a long time, there was a stigma associated with, oh, will we have a long-term relationship if I go ahead with this sale? And it was sort of a dirty word. And, and I think just the acceptance of secondaries generally has grown where LPs are concerned. The biggest changes in the industry, I mean, number one, it's grown tremendously. So if you look back even four years, it was about a $40 billion industry in terms of yearly transaction volume. Last year, it was an $80 billion year. This year will be an anomaly for sure, but the long-term trend is toward growth, and that's driven by both LP volume as well as GP volume increasingly. I think from an LP's perspective, the biggest change as you look at secondary funds out there is just a greater degree of specialization. So with the growth of the market, with increased experience uh, amongst all of the buy side firms, you're seeing much more differentiation in terms of the types of deals that different firms are focusing on. So there are traditional LP portfolios, there are direct secondaries, there are GP-led deals, there's preferred equity, there's sort of differences between small and large cap strategies, differences by geography. There's just a really, really wide menu of choice for LPs. And there's different risk-return characteristics depending on the type of secondary strategy you're investing in. So we see this in investors that we interact with where they might have a portfolio of secondary funds and serving different purposes within their broader investment program. And I'm not surprised either because, as I was saying earlier, secondaries is a solutions business. And so it's no surprise that it would evolve over time and there will continue to be creativity and deal types and investment strategies. So I think we'll keep seeing that kind of evolution. Yeah, we've written about that a little bit at the deal. For example, all the niche strategies that are out there even in smaller private equity funds in investing in sustainable food or, you know, or different types of the energy matrix or electric vehicles. So there's a lot of uh, interesting stuff going on. There's also a lot of stuff going on with ESG. I didn't really ask you about environmental, social and governance issues in the secondary market, but I would assume that's a really important topic given that you're working with large institutional investors such as university endowments and pension funds and union pension funds that are concerned about this kind of stuff. So is that kind of uppermost in mind nowadays? Yeah, it comes up a lot in our LP conversations. And there are a few perspectives on it, right, from the secondary standpoint. On on one hand, we are passive investors, so we don't have a lot of control once we're invested in the company. We're often buying minority stakes and, and funds and then, you know, looking through to the company level. So there's not a whole lot of control we have there. At the, on the other side, we're diligencing businesses, we're just diligencing their actual operations and their actual financial position. And so we can look through and have a view on governance issues on all types of ESG issues. And so it can be very much a part of our diligence process. Okay. And what was it about Klein Hill's approach that drove interest in your, in your fund three and the third fund there in terms of, you know, your approach is getting LPs access to those smaller GPs in the secondary market, which is something that has been relatively rare up until recently, I guess. So is that, is that the main attraction there? Is there anything else about the Klein Hill's approach that drove interest in the fund? As the secondary market has evolved, we were talking about more specialization, and I think LPs are more savvy about 
different types of secondary strategies too. So for many investors, it's a, about thinking that there is a strong potential for returns at the a lower end of the market, kind yeah. of that small is beautiful philosophy, right? And then for others, it's that maybe that they have a barbell portfolio where they have some larger secondary funds and Kleinhill balances that out. So it's a number of different things. We're really lucky to have a fantastic and supportive LP base going into Fund 3 this year. So what does the market look like for secondary funds going forward? There's interest in all kinds of private markets investments, given the low interest rate environment, the low return rate environment. You know, look what the treasuries are returning in terms of interest rates nowadays. They're very low. So is that kind of a dynamic that is going to benefit the secondary market, just kind of the search for yield, the hunt for yield, or any other kind of market characteristics that we're going to see going forward as we look into 2021 and beyond? Yeah. I do think the interest in secondaries is here to stay. It's driven by a number of things, as you were mentioning, kind of a low yield environment. Historically, secondary funds were usually used as a J-curve mitigation tool or sort of an early commitment in the portfolio for all things. And I think increasingly, we're actually seeing it as a core position just with an interesting risk return trade-off. And so I think that is here to stay. Maybe a secondary fund complemented by some high conviction other fund ideas, right? And so I think that interest in secondaries as a pillar in a portfolio is is here to stay for sure. And then you have investors who when are more opportunistic when there is a dislocation or there is some disruption. We had a lot of inbound interest this year from prospects and LPs looking to dial up their secondaries exposure because the, they thought there was a greater opportunity right now. The challenge with that is that you have to have capital ready and dry powder ready once for that, you know, when that period happens. So that's a little bit harder to time outside as an LP, it's a little bit easier to time that as a GP, but we're seeing that interest for sure. And also, I didn't ask you this earlier though, but there's, there's an overage fund of 150 million that'll support investments in larger transactions that Kleinhill is managing. How does that work? Yeah. So that is a vehicle that's set up alongside our main fund. And it's exactly that. It's when we have excess capacity in deals. We've historically had our LPs quite actively co-invest alongside us when we have deals that are slightly larger for our main fund. And so we organized that into an overage fund this year. And it's great that fund has been active. And it's interesting because we actually have even seen LP co-investment appetite beyond that, which is just an interesting um, observation from a pretty crazy year. Yeah, we could say that again. So... One last question about Klein Hill. What's the firm going to look like in the next year or two? I know you're not allowed to really talk about future funds and that kind of thing, but uh, how do you think the firm's going to be able to grow along with the asset class? Yeah. So look, we are very focused on the small deal strategy. And so we're very focused on scaling our team for that opportunity. And so I think our philosophy is to have our fund size remain moderate and have a really high bar for return. So I wouldn't expect to see a $2 billion final fund in the headlines at 12 months from now, but we do think that the opportunity for our strategy is very relevant today and and will continue to grow. So hopefully we'll scale with it and we have a great team with us working hard. So, Okay, the sky's the limit then. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Priya, what's your advice for women that are thinking about a career in private equity or more specifically a career in private equity secondaries? Sure. So I think women and men alike can actually have a really exciting and satisfying career in private equity and in secondaries. At Kleinhill, we actually have pretty good representation of women at both the young and mid-levels of the firm and then both on the deal and operational sides of the business. So management is quite tuned into this diversity. But 
I, I, in terms of advice, look, I think there are a couple of things. Private equity investing, this is long-term investing. It's all about trust and relationships. And so build your networks, start early. If you are not comfortable networking, become comfortable networking. Mentors are hugely important. When I was at Cambridge, I was really lucky to see a lot of senior women in the private equity side of the business in senior roles within the firm. And I was watching them in leadership positions, navigating their professional and their personal lives. And they were very approachable, happy to give me tips and give me advice. And I think that helped a lot because you can see where your career might be able to go. And so I think, you know, advice to young women, find find your mentors, find your champions, people who are willing to go to bat for you because it's important at a lot of different junctures in your career. And then the other thing about networking that I think doesn't always come up is the earlier you realize that it's a two-way street, the better off you'll be. So if you have an opportunity to help someone, help them. Like this is a long-term business. Those relationships pay dividends for a really long time. And don't always go into it expecting something in return. It's just good business and sort of good personal business to be helpful and to generate goodwill. And that's actually very much the philosophy at Klein Hill too, which is throughout the firm, we're about helping folks out, partnership and such. And we just think it makes for smart investing. Well, Priya, thanks for joining us. This has been a really, really interesting podcast. Thanks. Thanks, Steve. This has been Behind the Buyouts with Priya Pradhan Karkar. I'm Steve Jelsey, Senior Private Equity Reporter for The Deal. Thanks for joining us.